0: All right, we ready, church? All right, will you open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we go through this, we're walking through and um, covering, there are nine gifts found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that are gifts of the Spirit. And these are meant just to remind you of where we've been on the journey. Um, It says in... First uh, Peter chapter 4, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And so we are meant to use the gifts that have been given to us. They're not ours. They come from the Holy Spirit. They're meant to be used to serve, to serve others. And as we do that, we are encouraging and building up the church. The goal is when you come and you leave, you're encouraged. I pray that when you come to evangel, and we gather together, you leave encouraged. Your faith is elevated. You feel that you're growing, and you're, you're maturing, and you're becoming who God has called you to be. And so that's the goal, is that when the gifts are operating, when these gifts are operating, and again, we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because when we decide to follow Jesus, if you're a Christian today, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that, The Holy Spirit now dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us clearly, gives gifts to the people of God, to the church. And that isn't to our building. The the building isn't gifted. You are the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And each one of us has a different part to play. And therefore, we've been gifted differently. And many of those gifts are listed for us throughout these different passages. We're going to be covering some of them, but what's unique about these gifts is that they are really meant, many of them, for when we're gathered together corporately, uh, you'll see some of these gifts at work. When we're gathered together in church services, you'll see some of them on display. We'll get to those in a few minutes. Um, But I want us to dive into this to understand that, but always to be reminded of the purpose of the gifts Always be reminded that there's a purpose, and the purpose is really twofold. One is to build up the church, to strengthen God's people. Secondly, is to reveal Jesus to others. To reveal Jesus to the world. So as the gifts are happening, they're meant to always point people to Jesus. If the gifts are functioning in such a way in a church where all the attention is being drawn back to a person, and that person is not Jesus, something has gone awry. Something has gone astray. Are you with me? Some of you may have been in backgrounds and have seen that where all of that's happening, and you feel like there's such powerful things, but it's all pointing back to a person that's not the way that God designed it. And often we're in dangerous places whenever that happens. Um, and, and we always have to be careful and mindful. So let's just refresh ourselves here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's kind of repeating himself. We see this written in different passages as well. There are, uh, verse 4, there are many different gifts, different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Meaning all the gifts come from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. There are different kinds of service, but there's the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. God is not different. God is one. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's by the Spirit of God that all these different kinds of gifts come to God's people. Verse 7 says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For each one, to each one. Each one of you that are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has gifted you uniquely, differently, and there's a purpose. What is it? For the common good. It's for the benefit of the body as a whole, not just for you. You haven't been gifted just so that you'll feel better. You haven't just been gifted just to help yourself. You've been gifted for a purpose that's bigger than you. Bigger than you. We didn't do it this week. Turn to your neighbor, tell them you're gifted. You're gifted. It's for the common good. That's what the importance is for us to remember. Now let's just take a quick look at what those are. I know I've already given you the definitions on this sheet, but we will put them up on the screen uh, for you so that you could see them. But again, we have um, copies of this out in the foyer today, if you don't have it, that you could pick up. But it says here in Corinthians uh, chapter 12, 8 through 10, these are the nine gifts that, that Paul talks about here. And it's not an exhaustive list, but he mentions these ones because they help to address what, he's, uh, what, what God wants to say to this group of people at this time. It says this, To one there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge, by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits or discernment, it might say, in your, in your Bible. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. So Paul gives these nine gifts that are being listed here. We see them, I see them in two kind of areas. One, there are speaking gifts. They're gifts that are meant to really, where the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to speak something out. And there are other gifts that are gifts that are doing, live something out, to do something. So we'd see for um, healing and miracles and faith, these are ones that are more of service or of doing something, uh, action-oriented gifts. And so, again, I'm just going to put up the definition for each of these briefly so that you have it again, and we're all on the same page as we understand this. It says, uh, first one is a word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is the ability to provide divine insight and direction into a need or problem that points people to Christ. So we think wisdom as direction, as um, something that will help guide. It'll it'll be something that shows up that is is meant to direct people in the way that christ would want them to go and so a word can come in that way some people can get confused between word of wisdom and word of knowledge and so that's why it's important just to differentiate um i see and and you'll see that whenever we look at it we see wisdom as directional guidance and we see knowledge as data information and so uh where wisdom is direction, go in this direction, do this. Um, this is a solution that we haven't yet thought of, and yet the Lord is kind of through his wisdom shown, it seems right to us kind of that this is the way the Lord would have us to go. This is what he would have us to do, or he's given a direct insight of kind of wisdom. But when you think of knowledge, it's the supernatural ability to apply the gospel to our life circumstances through the revealing of facts that can only be known by God, that only God knows. I gave a a prime example of that um, through last week when I talked about a man who uh, had lost his family in a fire. He was staying in a hotel. He had all these pictures on his wall, and he tore them all down. He was very frustrated. He walks out of that hotel room. He's down by the pool walking, and he's very upset, and a woman comes out of nowhere and walks up to him and gets his attention finally and just says to him, I was praying, and God told me to tell you, put the pictures back up. And he's like, what do you, you know, how, how? she's like, look, i don't here to swim. This is just what I think God told me to say to you. I don't even know what it means. But he said, put the pictures back up. And for that man, he needed that because God was ministering to him in his journey. Does that make sense? And so you can see that that will happen. Sometimes there will be a, a, a divine insight that is just right there, and God can give that. And it doesn't mean that person will know everything about everyone forever. Often, God just gives a piece. He just gives a part. And if they're obedient with that, the, the Holy Spirit can use that as a, as a word of knowledge to help someone, to direct them for the Lord to minister to them at a point of need. And, uh, and when that's done, it's a, it's a very beautiful thing. Uh, the gift of faith is the supernatural ability to act on God's promises with confidence and unwavering belief in God's ability to fulfill his word. This is different than saving faith or putting our faith in Jesus. It's not a faith that's within us. It's it's a faith that the Holy Spirit gives us, this deep, resounding confidence to take God at his word, to trust him, and it's a gift of faith that comes upon God's people to do and to step out to do things that are so beyond what we could ever comprehend or imagine. And when that's at, uh, at work and on display, God does amazing things. Uh, healing, the supernatural ability to pray for those who are spiritually, emotionally, or physically unwell and see them recover. We have a God who still heals today. Amen? Uh, we hear testimony after testimony. Don't miss our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. We are hearing testimonies about God uh, touching broken bodies and people are being made well and uh, people are being even healed in God's presence. And as we see that, so Jesus heals. He extends his hand to heal, but one of the spiritual gifts is to work through people with a gift of healing. He will literally minister, the Lord minister through someone as they pray the Lord is working and he's healing and restoring. So it's a gift that the Holy Spirit will give. The working of miracles, it's supernatural, tangible acts of power that come through the power of the Holy Spirit to authenticate and establish the gospel and protect and provide for God's people. We see this throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament that we will see God doing the miraculous, tangible acts of power that only God could do um, in working that, and the Bible says... Um, that the Holy Spirit gives that as a gift, the workings of miracles that happen. We see uh, prophetic ministry, prophecy. This is one that shows up in all three. We've already talked about it uh, in two of the other lists, but it shows up for a third time. It's the only gift that shows up in all three lists that are mentioned in the New Testament. Um, And it's supernaturally, being supernaturally connected to the heart of God to proclaim the word of Jesus in a timely and relevant manner for understanding, correction, repentance, edification. Um, It's meant to build up. It's meant to reveal. It's meant to correct. It's meant to guide, to turn people back to God. And it's about being connected to the heart of God. Because these words, when it's a prophetic word, it can be a strong word that comes forward. You see in the Old Testament when the prophets would speak, sometimes they would speak something and it would be piercing and it would be very directional and they're speaking on God's behalf. But uh, but you have to know that that has to be taken very, very seriously Um, because there are people that will stand up and they will prophesy, but they will be acting as a false prophet. They're not speaking God's heart. They're speaking of their own or of someone else's heart. And in that moment that was taken very seriously in the Old Testament, I like to say it like this in the, in the first service I told them, that the, the Old Testament had a way of dealing with that. And it was actually stoning a false prophet to death. So if someone were to prophesy, it was real quiet in the room when I said this last service too. But I want you to just understand the seriousness of this because someone is claiming to stand in the place of God and speak. And when they did and they were wrong and they were false prophet, they were stoned to death. That was what was prescribed at the time because God took it so seriously um, what was going on in that moment. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, I'm thankful that he has equipped the church, but he hasn't given the church stones. Will someone say amen and thank you? He's given the church discernment, the gift of discernment, to be able to know what's right and what's wrong because there could be false prophets even today that will say things and it will speak, it'll sound like God, but it won't be God. You need the gift of discernment to understand right from wrong. What is of God, what is not of God. What is godly, what is demonic, but, but even what is right and what is off. What is flesh, what is us, and what is, is on, what is God. And he's given us that. And here's the interesting part, and I've just been wrestling with this, because in the Old Testament, you see how seriously they took prophets and false prophets— and then in the, in the New Testament, you know what Paul says? I want all of you to prophesy. You know what Moses says? I desire that all God's people will be from prophets. They would speak. So we're being encouraged to do something that was held so seriously that there was almost such a margin for area to be so careful if you were to prophesy and speak out. And so I think that it can create, I know that it can create a sense of angst amongst God's people, right? I don't want to be wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, look how seriously God takes this. And yet Paul says, I eagerly desire that all you will prophesy. Ask the Lord that you'll prophesy. And so we have discernment, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but we desire to create safe places for us to walk through these, to express these gifts, and as long as we all remain humble, submitted to God, amen, that if you say, hey, this was God speaking, someone comes along, hey, my brother, I'm sensing that wasn't the Lord. You have to be willing to take that. Does that make sense? We have to be willing to receive those things. And so God has gifted the church with these balances, I believe, that help us be healthy. If you have that in anything, any of these, if you have people given words and knowledge, it's not, uh, it's not the Lord speaking. It's not, we need to know that. too. So I'm so thankful for the gift of discernment, amen, that we can discern those things, and God's given that to the body. Because these aren't meant to be things that become divisive. They're meant to grow us and help us and mature us. And so with that, all these gifts have been given for that purpose. You have the gift of tongues and then the gift of interpretation of tongues that you will see and you'll hear people even as you're at our church or maybe you've been in other backgrounds where they're speaking in another language. And maybe that's been confusing. But The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, on the church's birthday, when it first began in an upper room, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, 50 days after that moment, Jesus, he said the church would exist. He said the church would be full of power. The people were gathered together, praying in an upper room. Another plug for Wednesday nights. We have an upper room up there. We gather, we pray. God's meeting us. It's powerful. You need to get to the Wednesday night prayer service, seven o'clock. But as God's meeting them, as they're praying and seeking God, it says that the power of the Holy Spirit fell on them. It was like tongues of fire, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance or gave them the ability. So we see this is something very biblical that happened. It was at the beginning of the church. It shows up again and again in the book of Acts. And here's what we wholly believe in our church, that it still continues until today. And as it continues, it's not something that's meant to be scary. It's a way that the Holy Spirit works and speaks through his people. And so there's two sides to this. One is that as as you've experienced this, um, the first moment that you experience what happened in the, in the upper room is called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just like you're baptized in water, um, Jesus said, he said, there was a, for once you were baptized in water, but soon you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's where we get that language from, that this would happen, and when it happens, there's a speaking in other tongues. And then after that, people can continue with that gift of tongues. And as they're doing that, you'll see per- people doing it personally, and you might hear them privately, and that's for their own edification, for their own strengthening, and God's strengthening them, the Holy Spirit's strengthening them through that as they're praying. But you'll also see it done corporately, where on a Sunday morning, as we're singing, as we're worshiping, someone might speak out in another tongue. And when that happens, the Bible instructs us that we are to wait and it's found there in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14. Later on in, in, in there, we actually get instruction. We might touch on that some next week, uh, some more to help us understand. But we are to wait for it to be interpreted. And so what happens, it's spoken out by one in, in another tongue that we don't, none of us understand, King Upran, but God gives someone, the Holy Spirit gives someone the interpretation of what's just been said, and they speak it out. And what's meant to happen? We're meant to be encouraged, edified, built up through it, strengthened, and you'd think, well, what would someone who doesn't normally go to church think about all that? The Bible says that if someone that doesn't believe in Jesus is present among you when it's working and when it's active, when the Holy Spirit's moving, that they would actually look and say, surely God is in their midst. That's meant to be the result. You say, well, I think people would just think it's strange. I think it's strange. I don't know. But as it's working, here's what happens. There is a sense that comes over people where they recognize God is moving. God is near. And so it's meant to be a sign to someone that doesn't even believe in Jesus. And you know what's amazing is that right after I put my faith in Jesus, it happened to me. And I experienced that. And you know what it actually was for me because I had just been an unbeliever? It was such a confirming sign in my life that I had just done something. I had just experienced something because two days earlier, I thought God didn't even exist. So I put my faith in Jesus. Then that happened, and it confirmed in me God, you're real. This is, look at what you're doing in and through my life. So, uh, so it's, it's meant to be a confirming thing. It's meant to be a sign to those that don't believe um, and point them towards Jesus. And so those are the gifts. Uh, you can read more about them, and you can understand a bit more about that as, we, uh, as you have this. these definitions. will answer some questions next week. But I want to go a little bit further because I need us to understand something, is how the gifts are meant to flow and function together how they're meant to function for us as the body of Christ. And so here's what Paul, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, all these are the work of the same, the one and same spirit, and he distributes them, each one, just as he determines. And then he goes on later in Corinthians 12, and he begins to talk about the gifts and how the gifts are meant to keep us connected to one another. We are meant to stay connected and function as a body, It's not that we are like a body. We are a body. We're meant to function. We're meant to be connected to each other. We're meant to be in relationship with each other. There is not meant to be any division. So when all this is working, it's a beautiful thing. But let me tell you what can tear that apart in a second, division. When we look at the church in Corinthians, Corinth, this church is a church that loved the gifts of the Spirit. They loved all this power. They were chasing after it. But you know what happened? Along the way, they would abandoned a lot of things. And they had become unhealthy. I want you to know every church that's full of the power of God and you see the gifts doesn't mean it's healthy. Do you want to let that set in for a second? Just because that's showing up, Paul, Corinthians, the church of Corinth is a great example. They had some messed up things going along with all of this as well. So the power of God was on display, but Paul had to correct them in a lot of matters. And as he's doing that, he's realizing how easy it can be. And God's giving us a warning, church, to help us see that the, the goal isn't just a gifted church, a church that's full and flowing in that power. It's important. But it's important as long as there's a few things at play. Number one is that there isn't division, that there is unity. So here's what, look, what, look what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty five, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. No one should be neglected. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every other part rejoices with it. You, he says, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We're all a part of this body. We're connected to each other. And if one is hurting, the rest have to feel that and are meant to feel that as we carry one another's burdens. And if one is rejoicing, we are meant to feel that. And when that's operating the way that God designed it, it's a beautiful thing. When it isn't, it causes damage, church, right? It can cause a lot of pain. And there is a uh, an actual syndrome that i learned about between services because i made this i think it's called cit is that correct cip p -P. Uh, cip in it is where your nerve endings actually don't feel that sense of touch you stop being able to feel that i went to the iron yesterday and i was just making sure it was on and i just gave it a quick touch and i felt that it was on Uh, i knew that it was on very quickly but could you imagine if you went through your life and you didn't have that and you're touching things and you're literally burning your skin, your flesh, you're cooking and you're, you don't even realize it, but your hand's on there and there's fire consuming your hand. Could you imagine what a body would be without its sense of feeling and of touch? Because I want you to know if I burn my hand, I'm feeling it, not just in my hand. Don't you seem to ache everywhere when you're hurt like that? When you prick your finger, it kind of pierces through your body. Paul says that's the same way for the body of Christ when one feels that we're meant to feel that together, collectively. If we're not, we're disconnected, where there's there's something wrong. And in that, um, it it drives us to another place. And he continues on, and he says, all these things are great. All these things are excellent. We want to see the gifts, but I want to tell you about what's most excellent. That's what Paul says. And he makes a connection in something that we have to be grounded in, church. Something we have to realize And he goes on in the very next verses after this, we begin 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want you to look at this with me. Because he says, all these things are great, but if they're lacking something, they're lacking something, there's a problem. Ready? It says, starting in verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I could fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess, if I have the greatest gift of giving that anyone has ever seen, I've given everything to the poor. I've even given my whole body over to hardship, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Here's here's what's being said from God's word today. A gift without love is profitless. A gift without love is profitless. It profits us nothing. We can have all this power. We can have all these gifts. But if we're not rooted in his love, if we're not rooted in the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we learned about a few months back, and we're running after all these things something's wrong it profits us nothing what good is it you see we we see this word which which is interesting uh, that the word gift in, in the new testament is translated very similar or, or even the same word as the word grace So gift and grace. Think about that for just a moment. And you have churches, and you have this church in Corinth, that they are running after the gift of God, because this gift is given. It's given by grace. It's unmerited. We didn't deserve the gifts that we've received. They're an act of grace. But isn't it interesting that Paul writes to a church that has received all this grace from God, but they're not giving that grace to each other? That they've received all that grace, but they're not extending it to others? And when that happens, things start to get turned upside down. So he starts to challenge. If you have all these gifts, but you don't have love, the very thing that you are meant to be rooted and grounded in, it profits you nothing. It profits you nothing. And I think that we have to think of it like this, that if we have the gifts of the Spirit and we don't have any of the fruit of the Spirit showing up, it's not amounting to anything for us. So I like to do it as a mathematic uh, formula, okay? Is anyone good at multiplication? Can I see any hands? Anyone good quick multiplication? Good. All right, up in the balcony, I saw someone's hand up there in the middle. What is one times zero? Come on, you gave it away. They were gonna figure it out. One times zero. So, so think about it, ready? If we have the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. One, we have all the gifts of the spirit times zero of the fruit of the spirit. What does it equal? No, equals zero. It's okay. We're going to get there. Same is true on the other side. If we have all the fruit of the Spirit, we love one another, we're patient, we're kind, but we have none of the gifts of the Spirit. What does that equal? One times zero. Zero. We're going to get there. That's not even a plant, I promise. So we think about that, and we, we think about this idea that on one end, if you have all the gifts and none of the fruit, you know what it is? The Bible says it's a profitless church. There's no profit. There's no, there's no benefit to that. All the gifts with no fruit. And all the fruit with no gifts, you know what that becomes? A powerless church where we get together and we can have all that. When we talk about, it, we agree, but there's no actual demonstration of the power of God in our midst because we're not taking advantage of what he's given to us so it's like pastor marsha said about the new mercies every morning that god provides what is needed for the moment and he gives that and could you imagine the israelites going to their tent every morning opening it up and there it is he's rained manna from heaven and they look at it and they say no, nah, we're good we we got this on our own they go right back into their tents you know what happened over time they'd become depleted they become malnourished they become anemic they would not be able to do what God had called them to do. The same is true when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. The same is true when it comes to the fruit. If God has given us what we need and we will refuse to receive and take advantage of it, we become anemic, we become powerless, we become so much less than God desires us to be. Does it make sense, church? So we just want to say, God, whatever you have for us, we want to receive that. We're not here to try to take things that you haven't given to us, but if you said this is what you've given, we want to understand it, we want to seek it, we want to receive it, and we want to use, Lord God, and walk in obedience to what you have revealed. You know, this, when I got to this point in Corinthians, one person told me that it explained the last 13 years of their life. Because before this, Church, before coming to Evangel, they had been in a, in, a, in a place where there was a lot of abuses in their church. Uh, there were some spiritual abuses. There was all kinds of gifts working and operating, but there was so much pain and a lot of dysfunction and hurt and things like that. And they said they realized that all the gifts were there, but the fruit was lacking. And because of that, it caused a lot of pain to that family. I want you to know there's a lot of damage, and, and I, I felt like I would share that in our second service because some of you here may have lived through similar experiences. I want you to know who Evangel desires to be. We want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, we want all that God has, but man, we want to be grounded in the fruit of the Spirit. If we don't have that love, if we don't have that compassion, if we, don't, if we ce- cease to have that, we're going to lose everything, church. But if God would allow that marriage to happen, if you would allow us to become the church that he has desired us to be, God's going to do amazing things in our midst. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward at this time. And I'll just remind you of what I said. I said the, the fruit without gifts and gifts without fruit, both of those are not good. Uh, one is powerless, one is profitless. But you could do something as well that if you take the gifts of the Spirit and you subtract and you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you know what that can lead you to? Grieving the Holy Spirit. So I kind of said it, that the gifts minus the fruit equals grief, the grief of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32, he says this, "'Do not let any unwholesome talk "'come out of your mouths, "'only what is helpful for building others up "'according to their needs, "'that it may be benefit to those whom listen.'" And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with any form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in Christ God forgave you. What what a a challenge to us, church. We can get swept up. The church in Corinth got swept up in the gifts. They man, they pursued all that, but the very things God was challenging them with. He said, get back to loving one another. Get back to hearts of compassion. Quit consuming each other. Church, let's be a better example of that as we move forward. Amen? Because we're striving, we're breaking new ground in these areas, I believe. God has us on a new journey of where he's leading us as Evangel Church into the future. And we want to see heaven here. We want to follow the prompt of God here. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit move among us. But as much as we want to be gifted, we want to be rooted. Amen? We want to be rooted in his love, rooted in his kindness, rooted in his character. And if we do that, to the best of our ability, God will work powerfully in our midst. So that's what I want to pray for today. Pray for God to move powerfully in our midst. To pray that the Lord would speak to areas that are holding us back. And to help us, as we even commit ourselves to God, to move beyond them. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now. Everyone all around this room, we're just going to stand to our feet and we're going to begin to seek the Lord for just a few moments. I told you about what a church without one of them was. So you have the church without the gifts, the church without the fruit, what that causes. But I'm going to give you one final thing as we're standing here today. I want to paint a picture for you of where God's leading us as a church. It's another formula. It's when you have the full gifts of the spirit and you have the fruit of the spirit. You have all of that yielded, healthy, working together. One times one. Does anyone know what one times one equals? No, it equals 3,000. Alright, you want to see it? It's found in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls upon the church, the people of God. They're gathered together. They're there. People think that they've been drinking too much. Peter gets up. He preaches a message to them. He says, this is not what's happened. This is God moving. We even see how he's speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking out. He begins to preach the good news to them. And here's what it says in verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation and those who accepted his message were baptized, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, into the fellowship, into the breaking of bread, into prayer, and everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together, unified, and had everything in common. Church, one times one, when we get that right, exponentially better exponential growth, exponential power. One times one equals 3,000 when this is happening. This is what God can do in our midst. Amen. So let's not let anything stand in the way of it. So right now, as I begin to pray, and as we close in this time, I want you to search your own heart. I want you to ask the Lord for yourself. Lord, what areas in my life might be holding me back? Lord, what areas in my own life, Lord, is there there things that even as Pastor read from Ephesians 4, there's slander, there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, there's rage. Lord, help me. Lord, there's unwholesome talk that's coming out of my mouth. Lord, help me today return to you. Lord God, I desire to see the gifts, Lord, but and, and I'm seeing them, but Lord, the fruit, Lord, it's still struggling. Lord, I'm not, I'm not forgiving. I'm not, ki- I'm not being kind. I'm not loving the way you've called me to love. Holy Spirit, help me. Let the Lord reveal that to you right now. For some of you, you get the part of the fruit, but you're very afraid of the gifts. There's been abuses. There've been things you've seen, unhealth that you've had to walk through. And so you're very skeptical. You're very concerned. Today, would you say, Lord, if this is what you have, Lord, help me, Lord, heal those wounds. Heal those areas that have been holding me back from just stepping out and seeking everything that you have for me. Holy Spirit, come today. I know you're doing so much as I'm praying. You're doing so much, Lord God, as we pray this one thing, You're literally doing 3,000 things, Lord God. You're touching your people. You're restoring people. You're showing us by only the way that you can, the areas, Lord God, that you know. It's time for us to step up, the areas that you desire to heal and to work. So, church, as you're hearing those things, as you're sensing those things, just begin to surrender to the Lord afresh and anew. For some of you, surrender your mouth to the Lord. Surrender your tongue to the Lord. For some of you, you're going to have to let down because the way you're talking doesn't glorify God. It, does, it grieves his heart right now. But as you surrender to him, he's going to fill your mouth with his words. He's going to fill you with his spirit, his presence. He's going to speak through you, and your words will build up. Your words will be a source of life because they'll come from God's heart. For some of you today, he's healing wounds and areas and and unhealth that you've seen in the past, showing you what it can mean to be a healthy body, to seek after everything he has for you. So Lord, just extend your hand right now in this moment, Lord. Speak clearly the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord. And today, as you just are ready to just say, I want everything God has for me. I want to be used. I want to be grounded in the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, however the Lord desires. It says as the Holy Spirit determines, and if you say, I'm ready, I'm willing, Holy Spirit, use me how you would like. Just lift your hands around this room. I I do want to pray with you. Just lift your hands if that's you and say, I'm just surrendering everything to the Lord today. I want Him to use me. I want Him to speak through me. I want Him, I want to have His heart for His people. I'm just, I'm open Lord, whatever you have. Lord, you see every hand and every heart that is raised before you, you see every life, Lord God, you see everything, you see the good, you see the bad, Lord God, I'm so thankful today that you don't just choose the qualified, you qualify the chosen, the ones that you have called out, Lord God, that you don't just look to our physical, natural abilities, you look for our availability, Lord, and over this house today, Lord, there are so many, Lord, that have made themselves available to you, and so Holy Spirit, come upon them, come upon them, Lord Jesus, come upon them with your presence. Fill them, Lord God. Give them everything that they would need as they seek you. Lord, heal old wounds, Lord God. Minister to areas, Lord God, that, Lord God, where confusion and worry and doubt and anxiety have been. And we pray that in this season, Lord, you move us forward, Lord God, rooted in your character, rooted in your heart, rooted in your love, Lord God, but moving in the power that you've given to your church, Lord God. Extend your hand and heal. Lord, speak clearly to the hearts of your people, Lord God. Move, Lord God, as you see fit. Make us humble. Make us surrendered. Lord God, make us continually rooted in who you are. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We give you everything that we are. Come on, church. Just spend a few minutes to begin to open your mouth. Worship the Lord. Praise the Lord for these moments.